Hey guys, how's it going? Y'all doing well? You miss winter yet? Because I don't. I never wanted to come ever, 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 ever again. Um, so thanks for being here. I love this series. I love hearing about why people follow Jesus. I love hearing about the, the words that, that they say just describing what God has done in their lives. It's really awesome. It's encouraging, and, and it's exciting. It's exciting to hear these words. So today we're going to talk about words, because words matter, right? As social creatures, we, we use words all the time, and they mean something. They designate important people in our lives, words like mom and dad or, or best friend or, or teacher or coach. They also provide valuable information. We, we ask questions like, what time does the bank close? Or, or where's the bathroom? Or why on earth can't you turn left in New Jersey? <laughs> That's an important question that I don't know the answer to. But what about the words that truly matter? The words that pour meaning into our lives and into our relationships. Words like, I love you. Or I'm proud of you. Or will you marry me? Those, those words are important. Those words change lives. And over and over again, the Bible talks about the importance of words. From the very beginning, in the first chapter of Genesis, the author poetically writes about how God, the all-powerful God of the universe, spoke creation into existence. By the power of his words, brought about every aspect of the natural world. And throughout the rest of the Old Testament, words continue to be a big deal. God's word came to his prophets. The people like Elijah and, and Jeremiah and, and Isaiah, words of encouragement, words of correction, and words of hope in the midst of life's most difficult circumstances. And as we move along in the narrative, as, as we get to Jesus, as we get to the culmination of God's redemptive activity, we find the eternal word of God incarnate in flesh. And after his death and resurrection, after Jesus rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit, he promised to give his followers words. And that's where my story starts. For me, when I think about why I follow Jesus, it all comes back to words. And at first, words were tough. When I was younger, I... I had a speech impediment. I, I stuttered terribly, and because of that, I hated speaking in front of people. I hated calling them on the phone. I hated speaking in class. I hated going to friends' houses and talking to their parents. I, I hated when anyone would ask me a question because I could never just easily respond. I always had to wait there, silent, nervous. It was awkward. And I'd wait and more often than not, when I actually tried to speak, I'd stutter. I couldn't do it. And I'd always remember those speeches you have to give in elementary school, those little six-minute things, which in my, uh, my uh, opinion, they're cruel and unusual punishment. They're awful. No one should ever be forced to do them. 
But alas, they make us do them, so I, the person that couldn't speak, would have to stand before his classmates and talk. And I'd try to get a ways to get out of it. I'd, I'd think about all the different illnesses that I could come down with and get sick. And I would get so nervous that my, my legs would shake and my cheeks would literally, my, my cheeks without me touching them, would shake back and forth like this. It was pretty terrible. And although my teacher meant well, she didn't exactly help my situation. She, she would go to the front of the class, she'd look at everyone, and she'd say, all right, now if anyone laughs at Ben, he or she's going to get five minutes off recess. Thanks. <laughs> I like to be a punishment. That's, that's, that's not exactly a confidence booster, right? And before I knew it, the dreaded moment would come. I'd stand before my classmates, shaking, unable to get any words out. And I'd see their faces. Some were blank. Some were sympathetic. Some were trying to hold back laughter. And in those moments, I asked, why, God? Why did you let this happen to me? If Jesus was supposed to be good, if he was as faithful as my parents said or as trustworthy as my Sunday school teachers told me, why could I barely speak? Why could I barely get a word out? Life was hard. I, I lacked faith. I didn't trust God. I didn't, I didn't like God very much. I lacked confidence in myself. I was insecure. Words were tough. But thankfully, thankfully my story didn't end there. Even though I didn't realize it, God remained faithful. He didn't leave me to wallow in these destructive words that I told myself each day. He didn't leave me to wallow in the words when I would tell myself that, that I was stupid or I was inadequate or I was a loser. He didn't leave me in that place. Instead, he put some significant people in my life. And I started hearing some different types of words. When I was in sixth grade, I met a guy named Drew. And Drew was the youth intern, the uh, seminary student intern at my church growing up. And one day after Sunday school, he walked up to me, and he went, So, horseman, when are we going to hang out? And I went, Right now, let's do it. Because at that moment, his words meant everything. At that moment, at that point in my life, the fact that an older person, a cool person, wanted to hang out with me, it was huge. He didn't care that I had trouble speaking. He didn't care that I had trouble getting the words out. So Drew and I hung out, and, and we formed a friendship, one that I still cherish today. And God used that relationship to give me confidence. And as the months passed, I, I started feeling better about myself. I, I grew more comfortable in my own skin. And by God's grace, I started to grow out of my stutter. And then I developed another relationship that changed my life. I, I met a guy named Monty Hobson. Now, Monty was in charge of the youth band, and after every band practice, he began speaking to us about worship. He talked about why we worshiped. He talked about what worship was and why God deserved to be worshiped. Monty told us that, that we weren't just musicians playing songs, but we were worship 
leaders in relationships with the all-powerful God of the universe. And this God wanted to meet with us. He wanted to make his presence known. So after practice one day, Monty asked us if we truly believed that. And if we did, he challenged us to to not just strum our guitars or, or bang on drums or sing words, but to actually worship. And his words were life-changing because I accepted his challenge. To this day, I can tell you where I was on that stage. I can tell you the song we were playing when I closed my eyes and actually began to worship. Not just play the guitar, not just sing words, but to actually worship. And at that moment, I felt God's presence for the first time. The Holy Spirit moved in close, and it was like nothing else that I had ever experienced before, and I was hooked. I was all in. From that point on, all I wanted was to experience that feeling again. So I plugged more into youth group. I I continued to serve on different worship teams and bands. I developed some amazing friendships. I had incredible mentors that encouraged me and challenged me. Life was fantastic. Those were good times. I was happy. I felt good. I was content. I was comfortable. But here's the thing. Sometimes God likes to force us out of our comfort zones. Sometimes God will challenge us. He'll he'll call us to do things and compel us to do things that make us acknowledge our weaknesses and force us to lean on him and to trust fully in his power to get us through. And when I was 14, God just, he did just that. He called me to speak, to stand before my peers and preach. And obviously with with my history of public speaking, I, I didn't really want to do that. So I avoided the feeling. But God being God was persistent, and, and, and we'd have these little conversations. God would say, speak. And I'd say, no. But again, God would say, speak, and I would say, no, that's, that's the craziest idea ever. Don't you remember, God? Don't you remember that I'm Sergeant Stutter? I'm not going to stand in front of my, my, my friends and speak. That's insane. So I lived my life. I tried to ignore it. I tried to run away, but still God said, speak. And, and at that moment, I blew up. It was like, are you serious, God? Are you serious? Do, Do you remember? Do you remember all the times they laughed at me? Do you remember the looks on their faces? Surely, surely you remember the time when I was riding in a friend's car and his mom looked at me and asked, are you messing with me or do you really have a problem? Guys, there was absolutely no way, no way on God's green earth that I was getting on that stage. No way I was talking in front of anybody. My my mind was made up. I was convinced. I was certain. Until I wasn't. Because again, God said speak. Say what you want about God, but but he is relentless sometimes. And, And that's why the story of Moses has always resonated with me. 
In Exodus chapter 4, we find Moses standing next to the burning bush, and he's talking to God, and he's making excuses. He's telling God all the reasons why he had chosen the wrong guy. He says this, Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. Sounds familiar, right? But in the midst of the speech, God responded. Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you are to say. God told Moses to go, to trust in him and to speak. God was persistent to Moses, and he was persistent to me. He he was telling me to trust in him, go and speak. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about your speech impediment. Don't worry about your insecurities. Just go. Go, and, and I will give you the words to say. And before I knew it, I was standing in front of 200 people in a hot and humid gym. And I'll always remember that moment when they called my name. I walked to the front. I, I can't stress enough how nervous I actually was. My, my legs were doing their little shake dance. Felt like I was going to throw up. So I prayed. Again I prayed. And again God said, speak. And a funny thing happened. As I opened my mouth, I felt that feeling again. I felt the Holy Spirit. And I spoke. It was, it was sort of easy. It was fun even. I, I was confident. I was bold. And I didn't stutter once. And I knew at that moment that this was what I was supposed to do. I knew from that point on that I was called to ministry. I was called to speak words to people. Words from a stage. Words from inside a Sunday school classroom, words from inside a hospital, or inside a counseling session, I was called to say words. I was going to be a pastor. I was going to share words with people that desperately needed to hear them. So, for the last 12 years, I've learned about these words. I've learned about who God was. I, I, I went to undergrad at Baylor University, and I studied philosophy and religion. I ventured up and braved the Northeast cold to go to seminary. But no matter where I've gone, God's been faithful. He's given me chances to do ministry, to, to hang out in places like this with y'all and, and with your kids to, to say words. It's been a blast. Now, Two years ago, I served as a youth intern in Colorado Springs for a summer. And every week, the staff would do this thing called staff prayer. We would all sit around a table, and we'd pray for each other. We'd we'd pray for the congregation. And during one of those sessions, something scary happened. More words popped into my head. Some pretty frightening words. As I sat in that room with my eyes closed, listening to the prayers of my colleagues, I thought for the very first time, what if this is all made up? What if none of this is true? What, what if this whole God thing, this whole call to ministry that you're so sure of, 
What if it's all one giant ruse and you've wasted your entire life? What if it's all been for nothing? What if the words aren't true? Y'all, I'm not going to lie. These words scare me to death. And no matter what I do, they stay in the back of my mind. I, I wish I could tell you that, that I shook them off right then and there, but honestly, the, the what-ifs, they've stayed with me. I, I wrestled with them that entire summer. I wrestle with them still sometimes now. And I hate it. I, I, I hate them. I, I hate what they mean. And most of all, I hate that I'm the one having them because I want to be a pastor, right? It's, it's all I've ever wanted to do. I'm supposed to have faith. I'm not supposed to doubt. And, and I remember the experiences that I've had. I, I remember those moments when God was close. I, I remember Drew and Monty and the words that they told me. I remember these things. But I still doubt. I still wrestle. But thankfully, because God is more faithful than I, than I deserve and, and better than I can ever, ever imagine again, he gave me words. At seminary the past couple of years, God's blessed me with a pretty awesome Bible study. I get to hang out with some wonderful group of guys. Michael's in, uh, a part of the, of the group, and and we just, we hang out once a week. We read scripture. We share struggles. We encourage each other. It's fantastic. And after one of these sessions, um, I had done just that. I, I, I brought a friend to the side, and I shared these struggles. I told him about the doubts that I've been having. And he brought me to a scripture passage. A passage that I had read over and over before, but had never fully understood the meaning. A, 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 a dear friend, he pointed me to John 6, which says this. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Y'all, these verses have been my lifeline the past two years. I've returned to them over and over and over again. I remember them, even though the words of doubt popped into my head. I remember them. I remember that throughout my life, I have encountered, actually and tangibly encountered Jesus Christ. And I believe and I know that he's the Holy One of God. And I believe and I know that he alone has the words of eternal life. So where else could I go? What, what else can I do? I, I can't imagine doing anything else. For me, doing ministry, speaking in front of people, doing this is my favorite thing in the entire world. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And it's why I get up in the morning. So I follow him. I follow Jesus. Even though sometimes past insecurities surface, even though I wrestle with doubts, even though to this day anxiety over public speaking forces me on my knees before God, I follow him. I follow Jesus because 
uh, he gave me words when I have none. I follow Jesus because he loves me and strengthens me and gives me grace even when I don't believe that the words are true. I follow Jesus because he's bigger than a speech impediment. He's bigger than my doubts. I follow Jesus because he alone has the words of eternal life. And they're the only words that truly matter. So as we move towards a time of response, a couple things are going to happen. Michael's going to come back up. He's going to sing a final song. He's going to sing words. Words that I'd encourage you to to reflect on. Our volunteers, they're going to get ready to start passing out the communion elements. And they're going to pass them out. And when you receive the bread and you receive the juice, hold on to them. Don't take them. I'm going to come back up here in a little bit, and we'll take them together. But during this time, as the music starts, slow down. Think about Jesus. Think about the words that he's given you over the years. Think about, think about the cross and what Jesus accomplished on your behalf. Think, think about the resurrection and the hope that we have because of it. Remember all of the ways in your life that God's been faithful. Remember the people that he's placed in your life, the, the friends and family members and, and mentors. And if you're doubting today, if all of this seems silly to you, if, if you're unsure that any of this actually matters, here's the really cool thing about Jesus. Here's what I've learned. He's okay with doubt. He doesn't run away from our struggles, but he enters into them with us. So seek him out this morning. Pray to him this morning. Jesus longs to meet with you here today, and Jesus has the words of life for you. So listen for them this morning. Lord Christ, we thank you for your words. We thank you that they are trustworthy and true. Lord, we thank you that you want to meet with us. Thank you for this grace that's always ours. Thank you for taking an awkward, stuttering teenager and making him an awkward, not stuttering adult. Lord, you're good. We love you. Thank you for your love for us. We pray all of this in your holy, precious name. So how do you, how did you know? How were you so sure? I think I'm on. All right. Um, so it wasn't much of a, an audible voice and more of just a feeling that I, that I had. Because obviously I wasn't about to go and speak to people on my own volition. Like it was the thing I dreaded most, I can't even tell you how much I hated it. I can't stress that enough. So the fact that it was even something floating around in my head, just kind of assumed that had to be from the Lord. I had uh, friends and mentors at the time that I talked with that kind of guided me along the process, so I heard from them as well. And a lot of times it happened after the fact, too, because I, I got up the courage to speak. I spoke and it went well, and I really loved doing it. So there was this kind of this after-the-fact thought of God being like, all right, Skipper, what are you doing? You know I'm right. 
why'd you avoid me for so long? Um, so it, w it wasn't as much an audible voice, but people and feelings that I had and then just circumstances that occurred and uh, success that I had in doing something. I think it's so important to realize, like, no, nobody is, is doing this alone. Nobody's isolated. Like, if we're a, a proper church community, then we are, are, are breathing life into things that are going on in individual people's lives. I mean, it's almost, it's almost to say that you would never would have really figured it out had it not been for the people around you, the oh, community no. around you. Sometimes I think about where my life was without, where my life would be without youth leaders, and, like, it's really scary. So, um, I mean, that's why I love youth ministry, and grateful for you and thankful for y'all too because y'all are awesome because if it weren't for adults that I care about pouring into me when I was a, a kid I, I want to be here um, so it really is a testament to how much youth ministry matters so Amen. All right, so another question. I, I thought this was interesting. Do you think, is it possible, I guess, in, in your perspective, that maybe God sent those doubts to you um, himself in, in order to further solidify? Or is it just that everybody doubts that God exists in seminary? So, <laughs> maybe not every seminary. Princeton, though. Um, uh, so... Um, at first, I hated them. Like at fir at, the scary thing was, at first, I thought there was something wrong with me. Like I, I thought that I had been doing something wrong. I, it totally freaked me out. I didn't feel like I could really be honest with anybody about them because when you want to do ministry, at a certain point, there's just supposed to be certain things that you don't struggle with anymore. At least that's what people may think. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But so I, at first, I was, it freaked me out that I even had these thoughts. But... It's funny that you mention good things are placed there by God because um, the same friend that uh, gave me the John 6 passage, he and I would talk quite a bit, and during one of those conversations, he brought up, why, why couldn't your doubt be a good thing? Maybe it was a God-given thing. Maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't a, a sign that you didn't have faith, but maybe it was a sign that you do have faith, that, that God is giving you those doubts to, to strengthen your faith in him. Um, and for me, I actually like them because they kind of put me on my knees before the cross a little bit. They keep me from being too cocky. Whenever I think that I've arrived, something will flash in my brain of like, well, but maybe you wasted your life. And then I think, oh, no. <laughs> and then I, you know, I go before the Lord. And, um, so, yeah. Amen. Hey, um, man. This, this whole service was basically run by our interns today. And, I, man, are are you kidding me? Like, these guys are, I mean, Michael, that was just really awesome. Ben, I, I, I feel pretty good about the, about the future of the church and, man, what, what's going on over at the seminaries. You guys, thank you all for leading us so well today. Thank you all for, for your investment in our community here and in giving of your time and your words. Um, it means a ton, man. And, dude, like the last two weeks, like, just so good. So thank you all. Thank you, we appreciate you, man.